You're listening to the Redeeming Grace Church podcast. For more information about our church, go to rgcrc.org. I came across this week a guy by the name of Joel Waldfogel. That's a great name. Great name, Joel Waldfogel, and he is a, an economist. He did some research uh, back in, I don't know, probably 15 years ago. And what he was trying to study is like all the money that we spend in America on Christmas, uh, how much of that is waste? And what he was trying to figure out was essentially what, do, what is it, how much do Americans spend that is uh, basically uh, we just do it out of obligation? We just feel like we have to buy somebody for something because it's the season and there's that person that you know you got to buy for. But you end up buying something that they don't really need or want. But it's also the season where you have to receive gifts like that, right? Like you kind of, it, like there's this obligation to both get something for someone and to receive something even though you'll never use that tee or wear that sweatshirt or whether, you know, whatever it is. And so he did the math, he did the research. I don't know how you do this, but he, he figured out that about 20% of money is just based on obligation. 20% of the $100 billion or so that Americans spend, so roughly $20 billion is spent uh, on gifts that we only give because we're obligated, and we really only receive. They really aren't that much value to us, but because someone gave it, it's, it's rude to not do that. And so basically, he argues that what we should do is because that's so much resources that go to waste, we should just quit. We should just quit. We should just we should just not give. If we feel obligated, the only reason we're giving is because we're obligated, and the only, only reason we're receiving is because we feel obligated. We should just quit doing that. So they began to call his theory Scroogeonomics, because they're like, you missed the whole point, right? The whole point is that we give, and it's not about, it's not the spirit of the giving, not just that. And so this idea of, of Scroogeonomics Giving that's only based on obligation and only received out of obligation as opposed to real need and desire. Um, is that what God has done for us at Christmas? That's what we want to look at in, for just a few minutes, what God gave us at Christmas. So did Jesus, did God send Jesus only out of a sense of obligation? Did he only send it out of, an, out of obligation? And is Jesus really the gift that we want? Is he really the gift that we need? Does Christmas time... And the story of Christmas and what Christianity and the Bible holds out as the greatest gift ever given, does that fall in the category of Scroogeonomics? Because it was only given begrudgingly, out of obligation, and really it's not something that we really want, but we feel like we need to celebrate Christmas. We feel like we need to go to a Christmas Eve service because that's a religious thing to do, and so it's sort of an ob obligatory thing. Or is there something deeper? Is there something greater? Is this gift really given out of more than obligation on God's part? And is it really cherished and received as what we need and desire? Is it, is, do we really personally want it and need this gift? Does it pass the Scroogeonomics test in our own hearts and in reality? Or is it just a sentimental waste of our time? And we just kind of do it because we feel obligated or because someone is making us be here tonight, right? Or celebrate these things. Well, let's turn to Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. And I think there's Bibles around, or you can, it should be on the screen as well. And here's the text we've been looking at, not typically one you think of as a Christmas text. We tend to go to Luke 2 that was read earlier, and we'll reference that here in just a few minutes. But in the book of Galatians, Paul, for just a few short verses, describes the significance of Christmas and the incarnation. And so we've been studying this for the last few weeks, and this will be sort of our closing message on that series and looking at these verses. But here's what he says. He said, when the fullness of time had come, 
God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. And here's what we see just in verse 4, is that God willingly gave us the most expensive gift he could, the most priceless gift that he could. The second person of the Trinity came in the flesh. So as we'll see in a little bit later and we'll conclude later, no, this is not a Scroogeonomics thing. God did not give Jesus simply out of a obligation. It's just this, I just should give them something, these piddly little humans, right? I should do something for them. It's Christmas, right? No, it's not out of obligation. We know the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, right? So God willingly gave the most expensive gift, and I I just want to make a quick connection to Luke 2 that was read just a few moments ago by Gabby. Good job, Gabby. That's a long section. And just show you how that's connected to these verses right here. Galatians 4.4, the very first phrase, when the fullness of time had come, which means God had been planning this from eternity past to send his son into the world. When the fullness of time had come, So at just the perfectly coordinated place and time, and in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, we figure out that that exact time when God decided now is the time to give this gift. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to their own town. And Mary and Joseph end up in the city of Bethlehem where the Old Testament scriptures hundreds of years earlier predicted that the Messiah would be born. The time was perfect, as we see in Luke and Paul says here in Galatians 4.4. And it's not, like, it's not like this myth or legend. This is a real place in real time. You can go back in history and find these, this time and these characters. So this is not a legend. This is not a myth. This is gritty. It lands in space and time in a real place that you could go visit. Secondly, we see that in verse 4, God sent forth his son. So not only was the timing right, but he sent forth his son. God sent his son, the one and only second person of the Trinity. Later in Luke chapter 2, that she didn't read all the way to, but in 248 through 50, we get this picture of Jesus when he's 12 years old in the temple. They go up for a ceremony, he and his family, and then they leave, and Jesus is left behind. So they go back to find him. And when his parents found him, Luke 2, 48 through 50, and when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to him. So even by the age of 12, Jesus understood himself to be the divine son of God, claimed to be the divine son of God. The scriptures say that God sent forth his son, the second person of the Trinity. The next phrase there is that he is born of woman. So he's entirely and thoroughly the human man, Jesus. Entirely and thoroughly human. Born of a woman, just like every human on the planet. Born of a woman. He's thoroughly human. So he's thoroughly divine, sent forth by God as the second person of the Trinity in human flesh. Thoroughly human, just like us in every way, but without sin. In Luke 2, 4 through 6, we see that backed up. 
Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. He was of the house of the lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. So born of a woman, we see Luke and, and Paul both picking up these same truths about Christmas, about the gift that God gave in Jesus Christ. It's the same. It's consistent across the scriptures at just the right time. The second person of the Trinity, thoroughly divine, thoroughly human, born of woman. And then the last phrase in Galatians 4.4, 4, born under the law. So like every other human being in the world, he was required to live up to God's righteous standard. He didn't get graded on a curve. He had, to be, he had to follow the law, the perfect law of God, just like every other human being needs to. And in Luke 2.22, here's what we see. When the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they, meaning Mary and Joseph, brought him, meaning Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to, to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. A little bit further down in verses 39 and 40, And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned unto Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. So, Paul is describing the same thing Luke is describing. The scriptures are consistent. That this is a person born at just the right time in history, in the right place. He's the right kind of person, thoroughly divine, thoroughly human. And he lives and completes the law. He lives perfectly in a way that no human being has ever been able to live. He did what we could not do so that he could be our substitute. The triune God did not send the Son haphazardly. Jesus did not come into the world accidentally. He did not come out of a sense of obligation, but out of love for the world, strategically planned to be just what we need and just what we actually in our deepest hearts want, what we want. I want to spend the rest of our time, just a few minutes here, looking at verses 5 through 7. And Jesus being the ultimate gift, when we receive Jesus as a gift by faith, when we receive him as the gift that we need, as the gift that we most desperately want, when we receive him by faith, we also get Four other gifts, at least, that this verse talks about. It's like one of those Russian doll things, you know? You get the thing, and it's the doll, then you open it up, and there's another one, there's another one, there's another one, there's another one, right? So it's, just, it's that same thing, that when we get Jesus, we get this package deal. And that not only do we get Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, but he also brings with him all of these blessings. And as we explore what it is to know this baby that was born in Bethlehem, to know all that he has done for us and all that he has been given to us, we explore again and again. We just keep opening up more and more gifts that are found in Christ. And we'll do that for eternity. If you put your faith and trust in Christ, you will spend the rest of your eternity opening up the creativity of God and the good gifts that he wishes to lavish on his people. Here's four that are listed in verses 5 through 7. First of all, we have the gift of redemption in Christ. So open up Christ, and you find redemption. You find redemption. Look at verses, verse four, uh, chapter, uh, Galatians chapter 4, verse 5, the very first phrase, to redeem those who are under the law. He was born under the law to redeem those under the law, 
Redemption means the act of saving or being saved from sin or error or evil, or it also means the act of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for payment or the clearing of a debt. Christ, we get bought back by Christ. We get bought back by Christ. God sent his son into the world to buy us back from sin, from the obligations of the law. So what we want and need more than anything else is wholeness. Sin has disordered us. Sin has wrecked us. Sin has scarred us. We have been sold into slavery to sin. And God sent his son, and when you receive the son and you open up the son, you realize that he also brings the gift of redemption. He purchased you back. He purchased you from the slave market, and he's making you whole. One of the core human needs that we have is this desire to be whole. We all feel broken. We all feel stained. We're all ashamed. And God sent his son, and when you receive the son, you receive redemption. We all want to know that we have value. And what God did when he sent his son was to buy us back with, at the cost of his own son. We are of precious value to him. Ephesians 1.7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood. God sent his son to die. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. So when you receive Christ, you also received redemption in Christ, wholeness, forgiveness, value. The second gift we receive in Christ is the gift of adoption. We all have a deep-seated heart need to, be, to belong, to belong to a family. And what happens is that when we open up Christ, we receive Christ and we open him up and there's another gift inside, which is adoption. This need that we have to belong. And God says, in Christ, you belong to me. You belong to me. You will always belong because the God who it will always exist, the God who will never change, says that one's mine. And we belong to a family, the church. That's what it says in, verses, in, in the second half of verse 5 through 6. So that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent his spirit the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Adoption is the act of leaving one's natural family and entering into the privileges and responsibilities of another. Some of us in this room have had our families break, have had our families inflict incredible damage upon us. Maybe our families have done things or people that we love have done things that make us feel like we really don't belong or we don't have value, which is when we receive the gift of Christ, we're brought into a family and we belong. That's the beauty of the church, is that it doesn't just stay at like the spiritual level, sort of hypothetical, sort of like, oh, I guess I sort of belong to something metaphysically. But no, I actually sit next to people. I actually belong to people. Those people have bad breath and sometimes say things that hurt my feelings, but there's a family I belong to, right? I belong to a family, and that's what the local church is meant to be, a picture of that adoption, Ephesians 1.5 says, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will. So, first of all, we receive redemption in Christ, wholeness, the wholeness we desire and need. We receive the gift of adoption because we really desire to belong to a family, to a father, and He gives that to us in Christ. Third, we get the gift of freedom in Christ. 
We get the gift of freedom in Christ. Look at verse 7. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. You're no longer a slave to the law. You're no longer a slave to sin. You're no longer a slave to your desires, to your past. You're no longer enslaved to any of that if you've received Christ. There's freedom. You are no longer a slave, but a son. This definition of freedom, I think, is helpful. True freedom is not a matter of doing whatever you want without restraint. But true freedom is cultivating the right kind of wants, living in obedience to God's will. In other words, freedom results when, we, when our wants align with God's will and how he's designed the world to work. We work according to our design as image bearers. and He puts us back together. We are free. One of our core needs is to feel free, to feel free and right and whole and like we belong. And when you open up Christ, you receive the gift of Christ and you find another gift inside. The gift of freedom. Just in the very next chapter of Galatians, he says this, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Don't go back to sin. Don't go back to the hopelessness of life apart from Christ. So the gift of redemption, the gift of adoption, the gift of freedom, and lastly, the gift of inheritance in Christ. We all want and need security, Right? How much of your time and effort is, putting in, is put into securing the next day, next decade? Like, how much of your job and work? Insurance, right? We all have insurance, hopefully. A good number of us hopefully have some insurance, right? We need some sort of security. And what Galatians 4, 7 says that if you're a son, then you're also an heir through God. You've got all the resources you will ever need to live the life God has called you to. The believer's inheritance is twofold. First, it means that we become a child of God. This gives us the right to expect an inheritance. Second, we gain eternity with the Lord, a dwelling with Him forever and all that He possesses. So we crack open the gift of Christ and we find yet another gift, which is an inheritance. Your future is secured and lavish if you've trusted in Christ. The reality is that we need these gifts. This is not just one of these gifts that we sort of like, oh, maybe I don't need it. We can sort of opt in and out of it. No, this is the gift that we most need because we naturally stand condemned before God and need redemption. We naturally in our own selves relate as enemies to God and we need adoption. We in our own selves live enslaved to our sin and our desires and we need freedom from that, from ourselves. And we all face horrible ruin and destruction in a place called hell under God's judgment. And we need an inheritance. Do you see? That when God gave Christ, he satisfies both our deepest needs and satisfies our deepest wants that we're trying to grab in all of these different ways. So, bottom line, what must we do? There's really only one there's only, only one thing in the, all these verses, Galatians 4, 4 through 7, where we do anything, and it's just receive, that we might receive. You don't earn it. You don't religiousify yourself to it. You don't work your way to it. You don't have to nice your way through it. You just simply receive it by faith. Just like some of you will go and open Christmas gifts tonight and tomorrow, and how disappointing that would be if your grandchild or your child came up to you and go, how can I pay this back? You go, no. No, 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 that's just for you to have. No, I need to earn this. I need to work for this. Or I'll do the dishes. I'll do no, you should do the dishes. But you don't have to earn a gift. 
I want you to receive and enjoy it, right? Don't you get that? Isn't that the delight of giving? Is that they open it up and they just simply receive it and delight in it and ultimately delight in your love for them? Same is true with God. Whatever you've done in the past, whatever you're caught up now, whatever mistakes and failures you might make in the future, God is giving the gift of his son. And with that gift, these other gifts of redemption, adoption, freedom, and inheritance. And it's yours if you'll have it. Just unwrap the gift, say thank you, and enjoy it, right? Because your father delights to give you these good gifts. And I know that maybe some of us are in a lot of different places. Some of us maybe are grieving the first Christmas without someone we really love. It's painful, it's difficult. Maybe some of us, our Christmas plans didn't really work out. The interstate was closed, some plans changed, some things didn't work out. Maybe money's tighter than we thought. A car broke down, something. I have good news for you. God knows that. He's with you. And he brought you here to let you know that he is offering you a gift. A gift that he wants you to receive. Galatians 4, 5, that we might receive it. So receive the gifts and get all the other gifts. Receive the gift of Christ and get all the other gifts. Just keep opening the gifts and enjoy them. John 1, 11 through 13 The Apostle John talks about how Jesus came into the world and the significance of it. And here's what it says. This is how John kind of tells the Christmas story, kind of from a theological perspective, but here's what he says. John 1, 11 through 13, Jesus came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. How sad. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So all humanity is in two categories. Those who will receive the gift of God, that is Jesus Christ, and with him all these other gifts, and those who do not receive it. Those are the only two categories of people that matter, not rich or poor, or white or black, or American or not American. None of those categories matter. Democrat, Republican, any, any way that you could try to categorize people into different boxes, it really ultimately, from God's perspective, comes down to two kinds. Those who receive his son and those who do not. And those who do get all of these good gifts. Scroogeonomics. God sending his son Jesus was not a waste. He didn't do it out of obligation. He didn't give us something we didn't need. He gave us exactly what we needed. And he gave us exactly what, if we're really honest, clear down to the heart level spot, what we're really ultimately wanting, which is belonging, freedom, security, redemption, adoption, freedom, inheritance. This is what we're looking for. And it's for you in Christ, if you'll receive it. So know that God was under no obligation to give Jesus to you. He did not have to, but he did, because he loves you. He did it because he knew our desperate need and he knew our deepest wants and he gave us exactly the right gift. So turn from your sin, receive the gift of Jesus Christ in him and with that receive redemption, adoption, freedom, and inheritance. Delight in that today. As you drive home, ask your kids some questions about that. What does that look like to receive Christ and what gifts come with Christ? And then as you're opening gifts tonight or tomorrow or whatever, let those just be little tiny tastes of the real gift that we receive from God through Christ. Let's pray. God, thank you for your good gifts to us. God, thank you for the ultimate gift of Christ. And God, I pray that you would give us faith 
to see exactly what it is that you've given and why you gave it. And Lord, I pray at the same time that we would not only see this story rightly and and the significance of the second person of the Trinity coming to live with us, to take our place, but also, Lord, I pray that you'd give us eyes to see who we really are. We live so self-deceived all the time, so self-reliant, so prideful. God, help us to really see, open our eyes to the true need we really have. And God, help us to trace our desires all the way down to the deepest place and realize that what we're looking for is a right relationship with God and that you've given us access to that by faith in Jesus Christ. So Lord, may this Christmas be the, the Christmas where some of my friends here in this room cross over from death to life. And maybe for some of us that have already put our trust in Christ, God, would you just re-inflame that desire in our hearts? Help us to enjoy these gifts again. Help us to open them again and delight in them. In your name we pray and for your glory. Thank you for listening to the Redeeming Grace Church podcast. For more information about our church, go to rgcrc.org.